if you love motor racing you love the Le Mans 24 hours and you're going to love this episode as we do a tour of the museum of the Le Mans 24 hour race at Le Circuit de la Salle Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, he's Stevie. Hello. And he's Zog. Hello. We are um, rather excited, not just because we've come out of the heat of the Circuit de la Sarve into a nice, cool building, but this is the best museum dedicated to the 24-hour of Le Mans, perhaps the only museum, actually, but it is at the circuit. So we've been here before, Zog. Do you remember the last time we, have, we came? I mean, it was about 10 years ago. Yeah. And the entrance was in a different place. I noticed that. And, yeah, it's just completely different. I think they've given it a fairly recent makeover. Yeah, it's changed a fair bit since we were here first time around. You do some work involving museums, Zog, so you'll be looking at I this do. with a professional eye yeah, today as well. Yeah, sure. yeah. I'll be very interested to see what they're doing with multimedia exhibits. Yeah. Although, of course, the main reason we come here is to see the hardware, really, as yeah. much as anything. Yeah. This is one of those museums, more than some others, where you want to see the hardware, you want to see the real thing. Yeah, they've actually got the cars that won many of the races, not all of them here. Stevie, what do you expect from this visit? I'm not sure yet. We've been talking about coming for the last two years and we haven't made it, so this is my first time. Good. So it better be good. Oh, it, it will be. In fact, it's already good. If you join me over here, the first thing as you come in through the turnstiles is a glass case full of cars, and it's a glass case that can be full of cars because they're all 143rd scale models of the winners of the 84 races that have been run between 1923 and 2015 and I collect 143rd scale cars I collect F1 cars but my main focus of my collection are the winners of Le Mans and I often buy models while I'm here so here's my crib sheet I've got many not all of them but a vast majority of these cars I can name the Rondo which was that black car there the last car to win Le Mans with a driver with the same name as the car it was his team his car the very first winner the Shinard and Walker from 1923 the Bugattis the Ferraris of the 50s look at that Bugatti Zog look at that beautiful which which one is that that's the Uh, that's the 57 C from 1939 god that's lovely and all the GT40s the Porsches the Matras of the 70s the Porsches of the 70s, more Ford GTs, the Renaults, the Alpine Renaults, I should say, the 917s and the Silk Cut Jags, and then the McLaren F1, which famously won in 1995. Stevie's favourite, the Mazda, they're all here. I've got many of those. And then the modern prototypes, and then towards the end, the last two rows of this incredible display. One, two, three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven yeah, 11 Audis, that's right, isn't it? 11 victories, didn't they win more than that? So. They won more than that. Yeah, okay, well, here, uh, I've missed a couple. One, two, and the champion Audi uh, down there as well, which one we were here for that year. And the Japanese one as a Team Go, that one. 
yeah, we've lost track, but we were talking about how Audi are missing this year, Stevie, aren't they? But their presence yeah. is strong. Yes, exactly that. I feel a sense of something missing with Audi not being here and this shows why yeah, yeah. exactly a that. huge yeah. double tier tray at the end yeah. yeah one of my favourite cars the BMW V12 from 1999 I love that mm. white car developed by Williams for BMW and next to it my favourite Porsche from Le Mans the GT1 who drove that I'm trying to remember who drove it Alan McNish was in that car Sauber's great names great names but these are just the models let's go and see the real cars and find out about the history of the best race in the world Charles Farou is that how you say that I think so Charles Farou, it says here, in 1923, Charles Farou launched with Jacques Durand and Emile Coquille, forgive me for my pronunciation, the first run of the 24-hour endurance Grand Prix, the Rudge Whitworth Cup, which I believe you had to win it three years to win the Rudge Cup or something like that. Yeah, Farou was director of the Le Mans 24-hour race from 1920 to 1957, chaired the Association of Sporting Journalists, an engineer by trade. He created the Society of Automobile Engineers in 1927. I didn't know that. With Ravenu, he developed the timing system for the 24 hours of Le Mans. As we came in, there were some timing modules, so that's clearly part of it. If you're going to have a race, you're going to need to develop the support technology too. And they've got his pith helmet here. Charles Farou's pith helmet in memory of him in a nice glass box. And I do like things in glass cages, I do. The Bentley Boys. A nice big model of a blower Bentley from, what, 28, 27? Well, they ran here from 23, they won in 24, then from 1927 to 1930. Wow. And it says their last yeah. win was in 2003, but was it really a Bentley? It was an Audi. Come on, it's a Bentley. Yeah, it was. It was based on the Audi chassis. It was run by the Apex team. It had narrow rear tyres. It was a closed cover sports prototype rather than open top, but it carried a lot. Uh, Audi, in the year that Bentley won it, Audi didn't race here. So, Audi did race here, you know. <laughs> nice. Bentley. It's great that Bentley are featured so strongly here in the history of the sport. They were the first team to dominate the sport. Very early in the race there was a decade or so when Bentley were the team to beat and the team that most of the time weren't beaten. Yeah, and it's a great pleasure. We didn't see any this year but often when you're driving to Le Mans on the motorways, the A roads, you will pass the odd blower Bentley doing about 90 miles per hour with two people sitting in leather helmets driving it. That's fantastic. It's a French race, and there's nothing better than a French car winning a French race. There's a display here dedicated to Amédie Gordini, who ran Gordini's here. Well, Simcas, I think they were, Simca engines. And I think the last time they ran was in the late 70s. Nice to see them represented racing in French blue. Yeah. It appears that the early part of this museum is dedicated not to the cars, but to the names synonymous with Le Mans, the people who made this race happen. Louis Rossier, who drove for 23 hours in 1954. Incredible. You can't do that anymore. You're not allowed to drive for more than two and a half hours at a time, is that right, I think? 
I can't remember what the limit is, but yeah, there's a hard limit that you're not allowed to go below. Heroes of the race. Shared car in 1951, a Talbot. Oh, sorry, I said 54, that's right, that's Louis Rossier driving the 23 hours. I was thinking of Pierre Levé, who in 1954 also drove for 23 hours, but he fluffed a gear change and over the engine and didn't finish the race. Your details, Og, is very good. Well, it's very patchy, but it's good yeah. in places. Yeah, well, epic moments. So the other great names here, Lofty England. <laughs> I wonder if he was British, a Jaguar driver from the 1950s. Enzo Ferrari, Ferry Porsche, Oliver, let me say this right, Genet de Bien, I think. Charles Deutsch, Ferry Rodriguez, Steve McQueen, Henri Pescarolo, Henry Ford II. They've all got their cars in boxes or models of the cars and huge displays of the people with pictures. Henri Pescarolo, I remember being here a few years ago when Team Pescarolo didn't race for the first time in many years and there was a sign on the grandstand if you've heard the show you remember me saying it the sign said Le Mans Saint Pescarolo said no pas Le Mans that's an approximation of what it said my French isn't terribly good at all but Le Mans without Pescarolo isn't Le Mans a great French hero a local team of course Pescarolo were based here at Le Mans Jackie Ix, Derek Bell, great winners who held records for many years. Derek Bell in the Rothmans Porsche years. Jackie Ix, whose daughter, as you know, Vanina Ix, has raced here and I have a huge soft spot for her. She has such a lovely smile and looks very like her father. And Jean Rondeau, a picture of him. He's the champ who's the only person ever to win Le Mans in a car with his name on it, his car. And finally... The king of Le Mans, Tom Christiansen, who won nine 24 hours, I think that's right. They've got his race suit here with TDI Power written on the front. And that's an interesting thing to observe. This is the first year this year that Le Mans will run for many years without a diesel engine. Diesels no more. So that's a presentation of the heroes of Le Mans. Let's see what the next section is. Garrett Jones at speed! The first full-size car that you encounter here at Le Mans is an Audi. Not a race car, but the R8 LMS, the safety car that led the field in the event of incident and the warm-up laps and you like for many years Audi of course no longer at Le Mans so the pace car this year the safety car is no longer an Audi in fact BMW are providing all the support vehicles this year perhaps as an effective way of tapping into the PR penetration as they say of the Van Katerhoes to spread their name BMW of course have raced at Le Mans for many years and in recent years the car that they chose to race at Le Mans I would argue has no place running at Le Mans it was the 3 Series Coupe which was a 4 seat car I don't know you should be allowed to drive a 4 seat car at Le Mans I mean come on this is not a touring car race is it (laughs) there's a remarkable little alcove here with a range of TV monitors. One, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, covering many of the decades of racing here at Le Mans from 1923. Some wonderful black and white silent movie stuff from 1923 of the inauguration of the race. Remarkable. The history of Le Mans reaches a lot further back than Formula One racing. You know, Grand Prix racing has been around for a very long time, but the endurance race of Le Mans began in 1923. Formula One, 1950. So, you know, there's some heritage here. <laughs> very pleased to see Hitler mentioned. <laughs> I'm not. But in one of the monitors, 1935, war of course interrupted racing for a while here and that has to be mentioned because the war was largely fought here in france so stuff like motorsport would have gone by the by all the decades are represented here and it's wonderful seeing it evolve from the black and white in the 60s to the color of the 1970s and the quality of the pictures in the 80s and the 90s there's a great thing here highlighting 1999 massive floods a very very wet year and that would have affected the race i remember in the year that persia won 2008 was it the year before or the year after it was incredibly wet i distinctly remember standing with zog by the ford chicane watching cars go down the circuit with a bow wave in front of them water piling up how they manage to stay on the circuit I'll never know into another area here this is a vast arena with yep I'd say hundreds possibly even a thousand model cars perhaps every car that's raced here from the very beginning of the race I do love models as you know I buy them while I'm here and this is my crib sheet I think oh I must get that oh I haven't seen that before lovely if you like models like me you might find it very difficult to get out of this room <laughs> oh gosh lovely yeah i know i'm perving but i think i'm amongst friends i think i'm allowed the centerpiece of this arena is a giant circular table some 20 feet across with a model of the circuit to scale laid out showing the 13 and a half kilometers that this circuit is i think that's right 13 and a half kilometers forgive me for not getting it right if it is wrong i do like a model it's not to the same scale of the 143rd scale models around it but it gives you an idea of the layout of the circuit you know this huge oval with kinks and pinches and wiggles and a great forest in the middle Famous names, Hunandier, Mulsan, Indianapolis, Ford chicanes, Porsche chicanes. Epic names that have been carved into the history of motorsports. Am I over-infusing now? Oh, more models. Oh, nice. 143rd scale models of the pits over the years and how they've evolved from the wooden shacks with corrugated steel roofs in the 1920s through the more 
rigid structures of the 1950s and the multi-level terraces of the later 1960s and 1970s and the contemporary stuff these days oh that's a lovely model they've got cars in every garage Honda, Corvette, Mazda, Ferrari this is a depiction perhaps of one particular year looking at the cars oh I can see a McLaren so that's the Harrods McLaren so I can tell you that this is probably 1995 a year that you know I'm very fond of I've lost Zog and Stevie and you'd think that it would be easy to spot them in a place like this but you know what it's not because we're all pretty much dressed the same I'd say 90% of the people here are blokes and 70% of those are wearing t-shirts, shorts and baseball caps with the name of the team or the Van written on it. Ah, oh no, I thought they were waving at me, it's not my guys. Zog hasn't got a beard and isn't 70 years old. Where are they? Hey, they'll be enjoying it. I found Stevie. You're never far away from a model of a Mazda, are you? <laughs> I've got a minor obsession developing. That's I, good. I think that's true. But this is what's so amazing about this. Every time you come here, something else grabs you. It's because of the scale of the event, you know, the sheer size of the circuit. That when you come here, you can't do it all in one year. You have to keep coming back. You've been here three times now and have barely repeated anything. I haven't repeated anything. Yeah. I'm grazing the surface. Yeah. And it's the little details which I'm finding so interesting. So, again, so one of the things that I've been noticing this year are the liveries. Yeah. All these liveries and the iconic liveries. Yeah. You know, the Gulf liveries. That's number one, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. The silk cut. Yeah. You know, Rothmans. Rothmans, exactly. Yeah. And we were just talking about the demise of the cigarette companies and the sponsorship, and I can understand why. But they made beautiful-looking cars. Didn't they just? They looked amazing yeah. when dressed up as cigarette packets. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But here's a good one as well. A Royal Mail liveried car from the 80s. I can't remember what that was. Was that a Porsche? No, it, what was it? Hang on, let me have a look. You'll know better than me, but Postman Pat will never have travelled so quick as in that car. Doesn't it look lovely in the Royal Mail? Wonderful. Red with Royal Wonderful. Mail written in yellow. And again, there's something about the liveries that create an emotional attachment yeah, yeah. to the different cars. And again, I'm looking forward to seeing the qualifying last night. There were a few liveries that stood out. You like the Fords? I love the Fords. I like the lighting on them. They've got the sort of kind of garish lighting and different colours. So you can identify the four cars. They yeah. like the flying buttresses at the back of the car with a different coloured light I mean that's an innovation nice. beautiful beautiful and again because it grabs your attention it then makes you kind of more supportive of that car it's, it's obsessed I think is the word obsessed we, we can say that <laughs> this is basically what my living room looks like in my head I've got so many models now I can't have them all on display so they're largely in boxes and I rotate them I have a few out every now and again but to be able to lay them all out here I mean there must be thousands of models here let me do an estimate of how many there are in each box two four six eight ten one two three four five six seven eight nine ten so there's a hundred there one two three four five six seven eight nine ten 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 there are 2,000 models here Brilliant. It is amazing. It's just it's wonderful. I'm in heaven. <laughs>
we've actually just deciphered. I was so overwhelmed by the overall effect of all these model cars here. I now understand what each one is. Every car that raced in every year has its own case. They've got the podium of the winners hmm. and one of every car that raced here, which makes it the most complete and perfect collection of 143rd scale Le Mans cars. I can only aspire it's, to I've this. I've got to say, this is a new... This is a, a new level. <laughs> this is your collection in the making? Yes, it this is, is the, yeah. I'm going to open my own museum to the 24 hours. Oh, so, so, so. Just, just spotted one of my favourite cars. At least you now know how much space you're going to need for your collection. It can be achieved if I sell the, the children. entire family. Yeah, yeah. One of my favourites is here. Oh, no, it's not the one I thought it was. Sorry, no, wrong year. I, it's, the Ferrari uh, F- Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's not the Ferrari 333 in Momo colours, but any car that races in Momo colours. My race suit, when I go karting, is that colour scheme, red with yellow piping. I like to imagine I drove a Momo coloured car at Le Mans. It's a fantasy, as this collection is. Now, Zog is the best French speaker amongst us. What does la jeunesse mean? Do you know? Uh, Genesis. No, I don't. Okay. But but that's a very good guess. I wonder. It probably does mean, you know, the start, the origin. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are in the display of some of those models in full size. So the very dawn of motor racing is represented here. I think this is probably the oldest car here. Might be this. What is that? Let me describe it for you. It looks like a wagon, doesn't it? A wooden... In fact, it does have wooden wheels, I would say, with a vertical steering column with a horizontal steering wheel on it and tillers for your controls. That is incredible. What is it? Let's find out. It is... Type D runabout. Amide Ball Fields. Is that how you say that? Uh, Amide Bolle Fils. Thank you. Amade Bolle Brothers. A two-cylinder horizontal three-liter from 1899. Wow. See, the French, French are great with technology. We often think that Germany, America and Britain, but the French have given us some great technological leaps over the years, not least of all the pneumatic tyre. It has a French name. Yes. Was this racing on solid tyres, this thing? I bet it was in 1899. Let's have a look. Probably, yeah. Oh no, that looks pneumatic. Yeah, Yeah, it's got a valve. Huge vertical cylindrical radiators, a pair on the front. Amazing. Hand crank to start it. It really does look like it should have a horse in front of it pulling it. It is a horseless carriage. It's it's a pretty agricultural looking vehicle. But was the height of technology in its day. Early days. Now, is this the Shenard Walker? Oh no, it's another Amidi Bolli Fi, that's going Bolli from 1912, a Type F runabout. So these are the cars before the Van Quatreur was born in 1923. Wow, look at this. Is that a steam? It is a steam engine car. These aren't racing cars. The dawn of motoring. These are just cars. Yeah. There's a Renault. From 1904, Henri Vallée, 1897. Gosh, this is glorious. Forgive me for not describing all of these cars. I am overawed by this magnificent display. 
and this steam wagon a de Dion. okay so mr de Dion may have not worked out the best engine but he was very good with suspension wasn't he the dion suspension which has remained on some cars possibly to this day the dion was one of the great innovators in suspension another thing we can thank the french people for what is this the dion bouton and trepardo dog cart à vapeur oh dog cart à vapeur great it sounds better in french and i don't even understand what it means no. Apart from it probably being a dog cart run on steam. It's a cross between a train and yeah. a bus and a bicycle. Yeah. As if someone crashed a steam traction engine into a horse and cart. Yeah. Really? Uh, and it made it work. Big wheels at the front, small wheels at the back. The rear wheels steer, did they? Because it doesn't look like the front wheels. There's any steering. No steering. Hardly any braking. No, yeah, the brake pad is actually not on the rim, but on the tyre, the solid tyre, just a lever that pushes against it. Hey, simplicity. The interesting thing about this Peugeot, to me, actually, is in a way how modern it looks. Because Google a picture of a Peugeot Type 48 to see what I mean. But the way that the bonnet is shaped, it has curves and it has a... an aerodynamic flair to it. Well, it doesn't think it's aerodynamic or intended to be aerodynamic, but it just has a slightly more elegant, designed and you know, contoured look than the rather yeah. overly sort of basic, practical, slab-sided approach of most of its contemporaries. It, 1902. It still looks pretty damned old, but there's a bit more flair, I think, in it. And we can see the radiators on this now, following the design of radiators these days, rather than those vertical cylinders, but a large flat frontal area with a huge surface area to cool the coolants that flowed around the cylinder block. Amazing, making these things mm. possible. Many of the advances in motoring came from the development of cars for motorsports. Nice old Renault tractor as well from 1947. So this technology spilled over into agricultural use. Very useful in France. That's quite a small tractor. It is a little tractor, I mean, isn't it? The tractors it? I've yeah. had any first-hand experience of have all been a fair bit bigger than that. Yeah. That's a baby tractor. I'm sure it's a very good baby tractor. There's a Chenard and Walker here. That's the car well the manufacturer who built the car that won the very first race but this one is from 22 years before the first race 1901 the Shenanda Walker quadricycle avant train fatayui is that how you say that something like that uh, sorry uh, which would it... quadricycle avant train fatayui uh, fauteuil 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 do you know what that means uh, no okay good another do I someone will be able to google it see who have the advantage of as you're listening to this to be able to do that we're just taking it all in with the limited information available good information but limited Audibert and Lavirotte names I've never heard before no didn't last very long oh we're into chitty chitty bang bang territory now cars from 1911 another Chenard and Walker if you're British sound like a brand of crisps don't they I'll have a pack of Chenard and Walker please found Zog looking at a very interesting car. What's this? I think it's a Saiga or I think that's how you pronounce it uh-huh. S-A-I umlaut G-A Saiga Type A13 limousine um, It's got this really interesting second set of headlights I should just say it's a 1912 car so it basically looks broadly speaking how you expect a 1912 car to look in a big boxy cabin wheel arches simply shaped bonnet stuck out the front with two 
goggle-eyed headlights uh, mounted in prone. between the front wings and the bonnet. But it's got this second set of headlights mm. set back... On the cabin? Uh, yeah, on the cabin, just at the bottom of the windscreen. And it looks... Sort of fared in, rather than bolted on, but fared in yeah, exactly. aerodynamically. It's, it's, so it's got a sort of relatively modern aerodynamic look to it, which is quite striking. But it also looks like an early sort of concept for something out of Cars, the Pixar movie. It's a very yeah. anthropomorphic design. Correct. Yeah, it really, really looks yeah. you know, like a pair of eyes with a big blue nose sticking out the front. Yeah. There's a Twitter feed called Faces on Things. This car would appear in that, wouldn't it? It certainly would, yeah. And if I hadn't left my telephone charging at the campsite, I would have taken a picture of it with a hashtag faces on things. Ooh, you're going to like this next one. Did you hear that? Ooh, Zog said, you're going to like this one. Of course I'm going to like this one. Yeah. It's a Lancia. I'm saying it right, not a Lancia, Lancia, and it's red, of course. Very, very clean lines. It's a very elegant... Lightweight. I mean, it looks like it's been quite nicely restored. That doesn't look very original to me, but that's by the by. It's a 19... It's a very pretty car. It's a 1923 Lancia Type 67 Lambda Torpedo. Uh, I should say that with an Italian accent, shouldn't I? Lambda Torpedo. From Turin, of course, Lancia. A four-cylinder V2.12 litre engine. 49 horsepower. A milestone in automotive engineering. Oh, yes. And one that can be considered the first modern car. This had a monocoque body without a separate chassis and independent front wheel suspension. And bless them, I found yet another typo. They've written independent. They've spelt it wrong, unfortunately. Independent. Yes. Yes, yes. Well, French, you would independent, wouldn't you, rather than dent. But hey, we'll forgive them. It is not a grammar yes. exercise, is it? Hey, this is... it's always a grammar exercise. <laughs> and also, that's spelling, not grammar. <laughs> we're into the early 1920s now there's a 1919 okay it's not quite 20s rolls royce silver ghost you know i like a roller gosh this is a magnificent piece of engineering don't think rolls royce have ever raced at le mans i could be wrong but next to it is a car of a brand who owned le mans for a number of years. Bugatti, how happy are you, Z? Oh, I'm very happy. Type happy. 30. I'd be happy if I could drive that out of here. But Yeah, yeah. On. I'd love to see you drive a Bugatti. I'm going to make that my target to arrange that one day. I think you'd like well, that, wouldn't you? Uh, let's make it so. <laughs> right, we could spend the rest of this entire programme looking at the road cars here the 1930s oh gosh what's this an hispano suiza of course a great name long lost but not forgotten two hispano suizas elegant cars of the 1920s and 30s actually i wrote a song for gareth jones on speed in the style of ultravox which i have not yet produced for the program i never quite finished it which was called like grand European cars sort of a bit like Vienna you know that European tradition mentioning the names of all the European cars which have long gone that we've forgotten and I remember Hispano Suiza can you imagine Midjour from Ultravox singing the words Hispano Suiza Hispano Suiza oh that's my impression of Midjour which is not that great which is probably why that song has not yet been published We've lost Stevie again. 
We've lost Stevie. Oh, Hispanic Swedes are lovely. Oh, we'll, yeah. we'll catch up shortly. Della Hay, another one. Oh, I always think Della Hay sounds like a rap song. Della Hay, Della Ho, Della Hay. Another Bugatti saloon. <gasps> Race cars. Early Grand Prix. The Grand Prix d'Endurance de 24 Heures. Coupe Rouge, Whitworth. Vino de Gunner, Torpedo, Bon. Forgive my accent and pronunciation. I'm just reading what's here and making a stab at it. It's worth a try, isn't it? Oh, now I recognise this. This is the Chenard and Walker, but not from the first year. This is from 1925. 23 it won. A little car. Very French. Almost as if it's made out of corrugated steel, but that's not corrugations. The folds in the metal are the vents over the engine to allow cooling. But what a little car that is. A solid little thing. Simple. Knock-off hubs. Well, that was an innovation for motorsport, wasn't it? Those knock-off hubs to take the wheel off, I believe. I could be wrong. Maybe, although... No, just I don't at, know. Yeah. No, it's, um, We're not sure. We're making yeah, it up, let's yeah. be honest. We've just come across a Bentley from 1924. Three-litre sport torpedo Vandom Pla. Great to hear that on a Bentley, isn't it? It says the winning car of the Le Mans 24-hour race of 1924 and a lap record holder in 1923. It starts here, really, doesn't it? What a car. What a car. And now when they say the winning car, they mean the winning model, or is this actually the car that won? I wonder. We'll never know might be something that you can look up and find out for us but let's say it is for the moment and enjoy that that's good there's one car on display here laid out in a very different way to all the other cars they're all horizontal. This one is vertical. It's standing on its tail. If I describe it, you might know what I'm talking about. The Citroen DS Fusée from 1961. Top quality build, state-of-the-art technology and still affordable. It's no wonder the legendary DS Fusée had a production life of 20 years from its debut at the Paris Motor Show of 1961. But this car, standing on end, has no wheels. It's a what? It looks like a boat. It does look like a boat, doesn't it? I can't remember the reason for this. Was it to turn a car into a piece of art or to depict it as a goddess which floats without wheels, which DS means, goddess? But no wonder the French build good cars with a race like Le Mans, Peugeot uh, here. Baroque, another name long forgotten, Citroën. Great innovators in many of the technologies in cars which are made all cars great Ooh, there's a gas turbine from 1952 Sokema Gregory you'll recognise this car with a big gas turbine air intake on the front now that's what the future looked like space age yeah yeah. 1952 the dawn of the space age very much but it still looks space age yeah the best stuff of what the future looked like mm. in the past still looks like the future it does yeah, yeah. I love the way the future looked in the past. It looks a lot better than it does now. I've always said that. That's a beautiful aerodynamic little thing. Please look up a picture of that car. That's something. Wow. More road cars. Gosh, we're going to have to get to the race cars soon. Otherwise, we're going to run out of podcasting time. 
There's a de chevaux here. There's a, is this a Dauphin? What's, oh, it's a Tatra, of course, it is. Tatra, rearranging Czech car from 1951. Oh, here's a car. Citroen SM. I don't need to say any more than that, other than we all had the... Was it a Corgi or a Dinky model? I think it was a Dinky. I remember going to the motor show as a little boy in the 70s and taking my model of a Citroen SM with me, which was in a sort of violet colour, if I remember appropriately. And I remember travelling on the London Underground and driving my car up the handrail, that black rubber belt handrail. And that car has always been one of my favourites when Citroen and Maserati were in cahoots. That's what you get at an elegant car. Another example of what the future looked like in the past. Zog has just directed me to a car which I missed because there's so much to see here. I actually missed this. This is about innovation, I think, this area, isn't it? Yeah. Many of these cars offered innovations. And this is a what? A CGE Tudor, an electric car from 1942. And they've got the bonnet open. And if you look in the bonnet, it's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, three cell lead acid batteries they look like they do yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised if they were so I don't know else. Um, how much power that produced or how long it could run for well we know that it set a record when it travelled between Paris and Tours on one charge at an average speed of 42 kilometres per hour decent how far from Paris to Tours I think it's about a mile isn't it <laughs> I'm teasing sorry electric car people I'm only teasing you know I'm a big fan but, you know, we've only now got to a point where electric cars can compete in terms of versatility at a certain level with internal combustion cars. Yeah, and we can see that, you know, this good and interesting though it is, not terribly practical and brilliant car of 1942, it's got a lot of batteries in there to do what it needs to do, and it wasn't terribly quick. Top speed, 58 kilometres per hour. Yeah, um, oh, city car. That'd be uh, perfect. Yeah, no, no yeah, emissions. As a little, as a little run around. Yeah, you, you could have had a little electric city run around in 1942. And I wonder how long that took to charge. <laughs> yeah, we could work it out. I suppose depending on what power they well, had. I guess it would take. It'd be the same as recharging any other car battery, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Leather, take your you know, point. If it's yeah. a lead-acid car battery, it's, yeah. it's going to take exactly the same time to charge up. As yeah. Twelve, Twelve hours or something. Yeah. 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 Lead-acid car. Battery. Come on, let's go and see the race cars because really. That's what we're here for. And if you'd like to join Gareth, Sog and Stevie as they enjoy and discuss the magnificent collection of Le Mans race cars as they continue their tour of the museum, you can in Le Musée des 24 Heures du Mans Part 2, coming up in the next episode of Gareth Jones on Speed. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Before we finish, I think I should answer a couple of questions about some missing facts in the programme. The 
car that ran in the Royal Mail livery was the 1987 Ecos C286, driven by David Leslie, Ray Malik, and Marc Duez. That French electric car, the CGE Tudor, drove from Paris to Tours. Well, that distance it covered was 240 kilometres, or 140 miles. And finally, Fusée means rocket, which is why that Citroën DS was standing on its tail. See you for the next programme, which is all about the race cars. You're going to love it. See you then. Yeah!